I want to talk to you this morning on a subject when expectations and reality collide. When expectations and reality collide. Moses said this in the book of Deuteronomy in the 32nd chapter. He makes this declaration referring to God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. A faithful and upright God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. God, we thank you that that is true. That you are a God whose ways are right. Even though your ways are not as our ways, even though your wisdom is not as our wisdom, but that you are perfect and upright. So God, our prayer is that of David's. Teach us your ways. Reveal to us your heart through your word. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. When expectations and reality collide. You have those moments where you had one expectation and reality was something a bit different. This morning, I was on my way to the church this morning. I normally don't eat before I speak, but this morning I was, I was hungry, and so I, I drove through the McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah, the lady in front of me was not happy. It was her second time through the McDonald's drive-thru, and she was explaining to anyone who wanted to hear because she was talking very loudly and using language that I'm telling you would have made Al Pacino's character on Scarface blush. That she didn't want bacon on her sandwich. That she thought that bacon was nasty, that she wanted sausage. And how could they give her a sandwich with bacon on it? She had one expectation, and reality was different. I was talking to Pastor Mike this week. He... Went to Golden Corral on Wednesday, mistake number one. But he saw the, the macaroni and cheese, and he said, Pastor, it, it looked really good. Expectation. Reality, friend, that's not cheese. When expectations and reality collide, a few years ago, I took my family to Washington, D.C. on vacation, and along the way, we stopped at this place that was called the Lakeside Golf Resort, West Virginia's finest resort. I will tell you, either that is not West Virginia's finest resort, or I feel very sorry for the people in West Virginia. <laughs> Expectation, reality. I, a number of years ago, I got this rental car. I'm a, I'm a tall guy, 6'3". And so I'll rent a full-size car or an SUV. And so I got there, and I was expecting a full-size car, and they said, Sir, this, this glorious purple beast is what we have for you. It was a, a Kia Sportage. My family drive, we all drive Kias now. All three of our four vehicles are Kias, and Kia makes a great product now. Back in the day, not so much. 
In fact, the earlier Kia Sportage, I think, should have been called the Kia Garbage. And uh, I felt like I was, it was purple, right? I said, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't ask for a Kia Sportage. I asked for a full-size vehicle. And they said, well, sir, this is what you have. Expectation, reality. Expectation, full-size car. Reality, I'm driving around something that looks like the Barney-mobile. And, and, and here's what I can tell you. In that moment, do you want to know what I felt? I felt frustration. And, and that's what happens in, in, in life. When expectation and reality collide, oftentimes the, the fruit of that, the result of that, is, is frustration. And, and at different phases in our life, there are going to be moments where our expectations and reality collide. It, it can happen relationally. In fact, all across this room, there are people who walked an aisle. And you exchanged vows. And, and your expectation was, till death do us part. Reality, it was, till death do us part. And when expectation and reality met, frustration, it can happen professionally. You... You had this dream of, of starting your own company. You were going to do it your way. You are going to do it by your rules. You were going to service your customers well. And it was going to lead you to a place of financial freedom and, and, and being able to produce products that you were proud of. Reality, re regulation, and, and competition, and, and, and employee challenges have you in a place where in between expectation and fruition, you hit reality. And, and you find yourself in this, what seems like a per, perpetual state of, of frustration. It can happen personally. We have this idea of, of how life is going to go. physical challenges, health issues. You didn't imagine that you were going to be spending your adult life in a wheelchair. And yet it's where you find yourself. And, and in those moments, listen, in those moments when expectation and reality clash, if we're not careful, what can happen is this frustration, it, it, can, it can steal our confidence. And, and it can rob us of our hope. And so the goal, friend, the goal in any season of frustration, when expectation and reality collide, the, the goal in any season of frustration, whether, whether major or minor, is to know how to walk through it and come out of it on the other side better than when we went in. Because anytime expectation meets reality, it, it's not uncommon for frustration to rise. And when frustration arises, it's easy for doubt to arise. It's, it's easy for stress to arise. It's, it's easy for all these different things that, that rob us of our confidence and steal our joy and steal our hope to come 
to the forefront, to come to the surface. So, so what do we do? What do we do in those moments, in those inevitable moments when frustration is the result of reality crashing into expectation. One of the, one of the great places in Scripture I think that we can look to for, for answers on this is the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. Joseph in Genesis chapter 40. Let me give you a little bit of background. Joseph is a young man that has a, a call of God on his life. He's got this destiny that God has for him. And, and it's, it's pretty evident in Joseph's life from the very beginning. His, his father recognizes there's something special about him. In fact, Scripture tells us that his father Jacob loved Joseph more than his 11 brothers. Joseph has a sense of his destiny. It, it's seen in, in a dream that he has, and not just one dream, in, in several dreams. Joseph, as a young man, is, his father makes him this, this special robe, this multicolored robe. Why? Because his father loves him so much. And it's okay for his dad to make him this special robe. It's one thing for your dad to, to demonstrate to you that he loves you more than your siblings. It's another thing to let them know it. And Joseph wears this multicolored robe around. It's one thing to have a dream where you understand a destiny, and that destiny that it affects your brothers, ten of them older than you. It's another thing to to share it with them. And as a 17-year-old young man, Joseph says, hey, bros, i got to tell you about this dream I had. There were these sheaves of wheat. One represented me, 11 more representing each one of you. My sheave rose up, all of your sheaves bowed down. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, hey, wait, let me tell you about another dream. There was the sun, dad, moon, mom, and all these stars. And the sun and the moon and all the other stars worshipped this one star. In case you don't know, that one star is me. Those other stars, you, sun and moon, mom and dad. Yeah, we're going to have to kill them. And Joseph's brothers, they, they've had enough. And one day, they're, they're out taking care of their, their father's flock in the land of Dothan. And Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers. And, and they see Joseph coming in the distance, and they go, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. And fortunately, one brother, voice of reason, says, no, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into this empty well, this cistern. His plan is to go back and to try to rescue his brother later. But they do this. They, they beat him up. And they throw him, in a, throw him in a pit. And as they're, as they're contemplating what to do, this, this band of Ishmaelite or Midianite traders goes 
by, they're on their way to sell spices in Egypt. And they said, hey, let's not kill them. Let's sell them into slavery. Now, see, that's family love right there. As the 11th of 12 children, as somebody who has six older brothers, I can relate. I'm sure there, there are many times that my brothers, if they could have sold me into slavery, they would have been more than happy to do so. Listen, I, I, I have been electrocuted. I have been shot with a 22 caliber pistol. Uh, I, I, have been, um, I have been poisoned. Uh, just, just some of the little things that would happen around our house, just for fun, just for sport. Never sold into slavery, though. Joseph, at 17 years of age, his, his father has told him how special he is. He's, he's had this sense of a touch of God on his life. He's had dreams of his destiny. And he was convinced that his tomorrow held greatness. But at 17 years of age, expectation meets reality, and they clash. Boom. He's carried off to Egypt. He's sold into slavery. But at least he lands in a good place. He's bought by this man, Potiphar. And Potiphar seeing something special in this young man. Because here's what's interesting. Here's what it says. In Genesis 39, it says this, And the Lord was with Joseph. Now, some of you, that's the word that God has for you this morning. Because Joseph has been abandoned by his siblings. He's been bit, beat up, thrown into a pit, and sold into slavery. It would seem odd to say, and the Lord was with Joseph. Because some of you are here today, and, and you're on a similar journey. You, you had this dream. In fact, you've had prophetic words spoken over you. And instead of walking in victory, and instead of walking in leadership, instead of living what you would perceive to be significance, you find yourself shackled. And in this, you're wondering, is it condemnation? Or rejection. And God brought you here this morning, friend, to let you know that he has neither condemned you nor has he rejected you. And Joseph in the house of Potiphar, it says this, and the Lord was with him. Now, it would be real easy to go, seriously? The Lord was with Joseph? Then why didn't, why didn't the Lord protect him from a low self-esteem, high-maintenance psycho woman. Because that's what he deals with, with Potiphar's wife, right? She sees him and says, wow, he's an attractive guy. Hey, Joseph, I've got an idea. And Joseph says, I don't like your idea. She attempts to seduce him. And Joseph says this, I will not dishonor my God and I will not dishonor my master, Potiphar, by sleeping with his wife. Potiphar comes home. Potiphar's wife lies and says, Joseph attempted to attack me. And the next thing you know, Joseph goes from having a dream to landing in a pit, 
being in the house of Potiphar, and now he's off to prison for doing the right thing. God, I've honored you in my relationships, and yet life isn't working. God, I've been faithful to you in stewardship, and yet my finances are a mess. God, I've, I've been careful to make sure that my vertical relationship, the relationship between you and me, is first. And yet my relational life is a nightmare. And God, I, 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 I've heard of these promises of God, and I've done these things, and, and, I, and your word says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper in you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. But God, look where I'm at. I've gone from the pit to Potiphar to prison. And in this, we, we step into... Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 40. I want you to quickly, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn there. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 40. Because in, in this story, here's what we do. We, we see how God guided Joseph. And we see some very clear direction for us. In this season, when expectation and reality collide, and frustration sits in. How do we work through it? How do we, how do we navigate through it? Because understand this, that, that God, God has a plan. So when you find yourself in this moment, and when you find yourself faced with frustration, number one is this. Recognize it as God's course of preparation. Look what it says in Genesis 40, verse Three, it says this, so he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard. It's referring to some servants of Pharaoh. In the jail, in the same place where Joseph was in prison, the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Now, one of the ways that God gets his people ready for their preferred future is that he puts them through a, a season of, of testing, a season of sanding, a season of frustration. As I, as I mentioned earlier, Joseph was a young man that had a destiny that God had set out for him before he was even born. It was a destiny that his father Jacob recognized. It was a, it was a destiny that, that Joseph on some level understood. It was a destiny that would cause Joseph to be the second most powerful man on the planet. But Joseph had a problem, and Joseph's problem was he had an ego. Joseph's problem was that he understood that God had this destiny for him, and he somehow, in that, allowed that to go to his, his head a little bit. Okay, how do we know that? We know that because, as I mentioned earlier, it's one thing to have the robe, it's another thing to wear it. It's one thing to have the dream, it's another thing to tell it to your brothers. Not a good idea. And Joseph was a young man 
that had an incredible destiny. But he needed a season of refining. He needed a, a season of sanding. And God put him there in the prison and brought people into his life to cause that refinement to happen, to cause that, that sanding to happen. And a lot of times in frustration, we can misread it. And it, it can cause us to doubt the calling on our life. It can cause us to doubt God's presence in our day. It can cause us to doubt that His promises are true. It can, it can cause us to doubt that His blessing is for us. And it can cause us to wonder, God, are you really there? And it can cause us to question, God, do you really care? And it can cause us to conclude that there's something fatally flawed in me. Because I see enough evidence around me that God is legitimate. And I hear enough testimonies around me to know that God blesses. And so it's not that God doesn't exist and it's not that God doesn't bless. It's that he's not blessing me and so there must be something wrong with me. And we mistakenly, in this season, we, we allow our frustration to give birth to condemnation or rejection. And this frustration, it it feeds so many other unhealthy things in our life. See, frustration has its own voice. And it gets into our life, and it tells us, this is happening because God doesn't love me. This is happening because I deserve it. I deserve all the bad things that are happening to me. And, and all of a sudden, encouragement is stolen. Confidence and hope is gone. But friend, God brought you here today for you to hear this. That in those moments in your life when expectation and reality collide and frustration sits in, that you need to read it the way that God does. That it's not judgment, it's not condemnation, it's preparation. And so our first reaction, when expectation and reality collide, our first reaction when we find ourselves in this season of frustration, our first reaction is to say, God, what is going on? And, and that's a good thing. As long as we don't allow it to go towards that feeling of rejection or abandonment. Because the most important thing in that season, when expectation and reality collide and you have frustration, the most important thing is let God get your attention. Because Here's something that I want you to hear. You cannot shortcut the preparation process. And the longer that you reject it, and the longer that you push back, and the longer that you live this woe is me mindset, the longer that season is going to be. Because God will be faithful to the preparation in your life. 
the longer that you fight it, the greater the journey is. And so recognize it as God's course of preparation. It's one thing to know God's will for your life. It's, it's another thing to, to be prepared to pull it off. It's, it's one thing to know that you're destined for greatness. It's another thing to be ready to actually do it. And, and what God does is this. God drops us into Genesis chapter 40 experiences to knock the rough edges off, to, to sand the rough edges off of us, just as he did with Joseph. And so when that frustration comes, we need to read it as God sees it. If we're going to get through our own personal chapter 40 experiences, our own personal prison experiences, we, we have to recognize it as, as God's preparation. The second thing that we have to do is we have to shift from focusing on woe was me, woe was me, woe was me, and instead respond to the needs of others. There's something powerful that happens when we embrace what Paul said in Philippians 2 when he said each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the, to the interests of others. And so what God does during this time where Joseph is in confinement, where he's in prison, he's given responsibility over the cup bearer and the baker. And look what it says in Genesis 40, verse 6. It says, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house. He says, why are your faces so sad today? He, he had every reason to be wallowing in self-pity, and yet what he does is he recognizes the need around him. He recognizes the journey of others around him. He didn't allow himself to become so lost in his own need that he begins to sound like an opera star. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. And in these, again, in these moments of frustration, it's so important that we recognize it as God's course of preparation and, and that we not become focused on ourselves, but instead that, that we respond to the needs of others. And it's also, listen, it's vital that we absolutely, that we resist the urge to compromise. Look what, look what the, they say in Genesis 48. We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. I love what Joseph says. Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Notice in this moment, Joseph doesn't say, hey, I'm a dream interpreter. Hey, if you do this, this, and this, I'll interpret your dreams. If you make arrangements to get me out, then what I'll do is I'll tell you what your dreams mean. He resists the urge to compromise. And here's what I can promise you. Here's what I can promise you. Any time, any time expectations and reality collide, there will always be opportunities to compromise, to rationalize, to, to do something contrary to our convictions and our integrity. Right? We'll say things like, you know what, I, I normally wouldn't cut corners at work. I, I normally wouldn't be less than, than honest with my customer, but... But times are rough. 
And we, and we, use, we use these frustrations, right? When, when expectations and reality collide, we use these frustrations as justification for the compromise. I, if my life weren't such a mess, I, I wouldn't be drinking. If my life weren't so messed up, I wouldn't be fill in the blank. And once again, frustration has a voice, and it will say to you, you can't wait on God. You have to take matters into their own hands. After all, doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? It doesn't, by the way. That's an old wives' tale. It's a myth. God helps those who come to the understanding that they are totally and completely lost without him. But any time you find yourself in a season of frustration, the enemy of your soul recognizes that as opportunity to solicit you to compromise. And, and understand this, that God's preparation process cannot be compromised. It cannot And so when you find yourself frustrated, recognize it as God's opportunity, God's season of preparation. Don't just focus on yourself. Look for opportunities. Respond to the needs of others and, and resist those moments where compromise is made available to you. Don't, don't get sucked into it. Number four, you've got to remain patient in the process. Genesis 40:20 The chief cupbearer however did not remember Joseph he forgot him He forgot him for 2 years And up to this point Joseph's focus is all on vindication But along the way Joseph recognized he recognized this, that if he trusted God, that God would give him the courage to stay with him. That God would give Joseph the courage to stay with God, to stay with him in his head and in his heart until God brought him out. By the way, in seasons of frustration, it's very important for us to understand that not every thought that we have is true. Not every thought that we have is true. As I said earlier, frustration has its own voice, right? And, uh, and it's good that we recognize that. There's something that happens from Genesis chapter 40 to Genesis chapter 41. We see a, a change in, in Joseph's disposition. And it tells this in Genesis 41 in verse 14. It says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph. What happened? Pharaoh had a dream. Couldn't understand it. Calls all of his soothsayers, all of his seers. Nobody can understand it. And the cupbearer says, wait a minute. There was this guy in prison. Joseph. Uh, uh, and he, he, could, he, he, could, he interpreted my dream. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Joseph. Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I have a dream and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I want you to listen to what Joseph says. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. What was Joseph's, what was Joseph's major deal? It was that issue of ego, right? It was that issue of pride. And yet his experience in the pit and Potiphar's house and in the prison, in that process, that rough edge has been sanded off. And here's what he says. He says, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream. Joseph interprets it, and here's what Joseph recognizes. This is a, a man, a young man, 30 years of age. This is a young man with wisdom and humility. Truly, there's no one else in all of my empire like him. And Joseph is said, except for in matters of the throne, your voice is as my voice, Pharaoh tells him. It was God's plan to raise Joseph up to be the most influential man on the planet at that point. Joseph would save not just his family, but he would save an entire nation. But in, in order for him to be in that place, he had to experience a season where his expectation and reality were something substantially different. And it's important that we recognize that 41 moment. The, the chapters and verses are not original with Scripture. They were added later. But I will tell you, for me, there's, there's something interesting about Joseph being in the prison in Genesis chapter 40. Because if you know anything about the number 40, 40 is all about testing. It's all about preparation. We see it all throughout the Bible. And for every 40, there's a 41. For every Joseph in a prison in Genesis chapter 40, there's Joseph being put in a position of power and authority in Genesis chapter 41. And you're here today, and man, you're in that Genesis 40 place in life, right? Expectation is this, reality is this, boom, and it's clashing. But for every 40, there's a 41. For every for every season of frustration, there's a, a season of fulfillment. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. For every, every season of standing, there's a season of success. Why? Because for every 40, there's a, a 41. For every season of difficulty, there's a season of destiny. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. It, it, it rained 40 days and 40 nights as God's judgment, judgment was felt on the earth. 
But on day number 41, a rainbow appeared. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. For 40 days, Goliath railed against the armies of Israel. On the 41st day, David showed up and slay this giant and beheaded him. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. For 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. On, in 41, the next generation walked into a promised land. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. For 40 days, Jesus was tested. 41, our Messiah stood victorious. Why? Because for every 40, there's a 41. For every 40, there's a 41. For every 40, there's a 41. And you came in here today, and you find yourself in this season of frustration, and you find yourself in this season of difficulty, and you find yourself in this Genesis 40 moment, and God brought you here today, friend, to say to you that for every 40, there is a 41. For every 40, there is a 41. For every 40, there is a 41. I don't want you to pray, God, deliver me from this. I don't want you to pray, God, lift me out of this. Because if you're in that Genesis 40 time, God has a reason for it, recognize it as God's course of preparation. Quit focusing on yourself and respond to the needs of others. Resist that continual temptation to compromise. Be patient in the process. And pray this prayer. God, give me the courage. God, give me the courage to stay with you. God, give me the courage to stay with you in my head and in my heart. In the pit, God, give me the courage to stay with you in, in my head and, and in my heart. In, in, in the time where it seems that I'm enslaved, oh God, give me the courage to stay with you in my head and in my heart. In the time when it seems like I'm imprisoned, oh God, give me the courage to stay with you in my head and in my heart until you, oh God, decide that this is the time. Had Joseph found deliverance in the pit, The deliverance of a nation is a story that is never told. Had Joseph not fallen out of favor with Potiphar for doing the right thing, the deliverance of a nation would have never taken place. Had Joseph been released from prison the, when he first met the cupbearer 
and the baker, they likely would have had no idea where he was when it comes time for Pharaoh to have his dreams interpreted. And God knew. God knew when he called a young man. God had a plan when a 17-year-old was thrown in a pit. And make no mistake, even though at times Joseph probably couldn't feel it, God was with him for 13 years. From the pit to the palace, 13 years. And here's what God knew. God knew what needed to happen in Joseph's life at age 30. He knew how long it was going to take for Joseph to get to that place spiritually. To get to that place emotionally. Why do I know this and why can you be confident of it? Because all things, all things, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And God would not have allowed Joseph to be in that season of frustration one moment longer than necessary because God loves him. And the same thing is true about you, friend, because God is crazy about you. Don't ask him to shortcut the process. Don't ask him to circumvent the journey. In fact, God brought you here today because he wants you to know that you're praying amiss. You're praying for deliverance. And God brought you here to say, friend, you need to stop praying for deliverance and you need to start praying for destiny. Give me the courage, oh God, to stay with you in my head and in my heart until your time. That is the journey to greatness. I want you to stand with me.